God, we just want to simply tell you this morning that we love you. God, we want to try and push through all of the trappings and the complexity of life. And we just want to tell you we love you. And God, we love all the things that you've given us and the technology and sound and music and all of that. God, but at the heart of it all, we want to tell you we love you. You are an amazing God. Lord, in this week after Easter, we want to celebrate. We want to say, Lord, Resurrection Sunday is not just last Sunday, it's every day. God, every day we live in the reality that we are saved because of what you've done and what you've accomplished. And the fact that your spirit lives in us, the Bible says that we should rejoice because Christ is in us and he's the hope of glory. And Lord, we thank you for it. And God, as we look at your word this morning, as we look at vision, God, I pray that in all of that as well, Lord, the heart of this will be the fact that you have changed us and we love you. And God, we want to lift our hands and our lives and our hearts to tell you this morning that we think you're amazing. And God, you change people's lives at Spring Harvest, kids and young people and adults, and that's amazing and brilliant. But God, you're changing people's lives right here as well. And all across this world, you are in the business of changing people's lives. And Lord, you've changed us. And God, our life may not be the perfect life we want it to be right now. God, there may be challenges in our life. Some of us this morning are going to be carrying sorrow and and, and confusion and some doubt and some fear. But God, we thank you that even through all of that, we still know that you are our God. And Lord, we love you. We love you, God. Jesus, I pray that you'd shine the light of your spirit upon your word and that we would hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you take your seats? Thank you, guys. So we are going to look at vision a little bit this morning. We uh, usually do vision nights. Or one or two a year, but I just kind of felt I'd, we'd, we'd do a Vision Sunday this morning. There's a little change to that. We'll come back to that Vision Night thing uh, in due course. Um, superheroes. How many of you fancy yourself as a superhero or have done at some point in your life? Fancied yourself to have a, one of those kind of abilities that have transformation that you can do all kinds of crazy things. Let me just test whether we have any superhero fans in the house this morning. I'm going to give you the proper name of the person and you're going to tell me the superhero that they become. So Peter Parker is? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Oh, we've got something in the house. Bruce Wayne. Steve Austin. Ah, I see some of you like that's for you young people, yeah. Bruce Banner, the Hulk, oh yeah, we've got some. <laughs> can you shut him up, because he's a sad geek, have you? Clark Kent, has anyone heard of this one, Damar Davis, I, 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 no, I, I've been researching this, Damar Davis was a superhero called Doorman, how sad is that, his superpower is he opens doors. Like I looked at that and thought, I want to be Jar Man, you know, that can open those really tough jars of pickles and things. You are John, man. Okay, that's great. But you know, what, what, if you think back when you were a kid, like I, I, you know, you, most kids at some point in their experience, and some people are still kids in this whole thing, just fancy the idea of being transformed to something else and having this super ability. Can I say that I'm no different to that? One of my deepest questions in my life is, can I really change? Does anyone know that question? You looked at yourself and, can I, God, can I really change? Can I be transformed? Have you ever been disappointed with yourself? I know I have, and some of my disappointments are quite trivial. I'd like to have been a bit more mustard. I'd like to eat whatever I want to eat and not put on any weight. I'd love that. 
But uh, clearly, that's not, my, that's not a, an, a superpower I've been blessed with. I'd like to be really practical and good at DIY, but I'm just useless. But some of my disappointments with myself aren't trivial. They're a little bit neurotic. Because <laughs> I don't know whether you've ever thought like this. I'd love people to like me more, and yet at the same time, I'd like to be not so bothered about what people think about me. Does anyone know what I'm on about? So it's a little bit neurotic, and some of my disappointments are much deeper than that. I look at my kids and I wish I was a better dad. I look in the eyes of my wife and wish I was a better husband. I open the Bible and I wish that I love God more than I do. And I'm sure that all of us in this room have at some point in our lives thought a little bit like that. We're a little bit disappointed with ourselves, and we ask the question, God, will I ever really change? Will I ever really be transformed into the you, into the me that you want me to be? Well, I've got great news for you this morning. God is a God who believes in transformation. Amen? Let me say it again. God is a God who believes in transformation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Jesus said to his disciples, when you pray, this is how you should pray. And part of that prayer was this. Pray like this. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, whatever's in heaven, pray that that will be what's on earth. In other words, God believes in transformation, not just of a life, but of a planet. And God is in the process of transforming our planet and of us into his likeness. It doesn't look like it a lot of the time, I know, when we look at the news and when we look in the mirror. But God is a God of transformation. And at the heart of the vision of this church is the word transform. The vision of this church is going to come up um, in, in a moment, but, but the heart of the vision is transformation. And uh, someone once said, a godly vision is right for the times, right for the church, and right for the people. A godly vision promotes faith rather than fear. A godly vision motivates people to action. A godly vision requires risk-taking. A godly vision glorifies God and not people. So at the heart of our vision, our vision statement, you see it on the big banner outside, is transforming lives, communities, and nations, and we mean by that, with the love and the power of Christ. So we exist as a church. We want to be an Acts 2 type church. We exist to see lives transformed, to see communities impacted and transformed, and to see nations impacted and transformed with the love and the power of Christ. That's the heart of our vision. Flowing out of that comes strategy. Our current strategy at the moment is that we believe God has given us this kind of this set of phrases to enlarge God's kingdom footprint in us and then in the region and then in the nations that God leads us to. And out of strategy comes things like goals and projects and programs and all that kind of stuff. So we do what we do. That it flows out of this belief that God has put us here on the planet to transform us, but then to transform others and communities. Amen. That's what we're about. Now, you, I seem a little more excited than you do about that this morning. But I'm hoping that by the end that you may get a little bit excited about that as well. And God has invited every single one of us into the vision of seeing transformation. And I want us to think about this whole subject and issue and word transformation this morning. And I'm going to highlight two things because I believe that we are seeing some transformation right before our eyes. Now, if you're a leader like me, 
I'm a visionary leader, okay, a futuristic type leader. I'm always dissatisfied. I'm always frustrated. And my weakness, one of many, I have many, is that sometimes I can't see the good things that are happening because I'm so focused on what is not happening and what I think is out there. But there is transformation happening right before our eyes. And that's great, isn't it? And we want to celebrate that a little bit this morning and this Vision Sunday. So I want to talk about two things this morning. Firstly, transformation of buildings. I want to talk about some transformation of buildings. Many of you know that we're in this thing called the Third Place Project, which we've been in for about 350 years or so, it feels like at times. And, uh, but there is some transformation of buildings going on. And I'm going to show you some pictures. These pictures at the back. This is the Huntington Room, all right, being all stripped out. So this is where our kids' work goes on at the back. You can just flick through them, Janet. That'd be great. This building is in the process of being transformed. You'll be glad to hear. We're not putting your kids in there, all right, like that. This is in the process. This is what it looks like kind of a week ago. Even a week after these were taken, there is transformation going on. In about four, five, six-ish weeks, (laughs) this will be transformed into some fantastic spaces where not only our kids' work will happen, but much of our community work will take place. So that big empty room that you see is going to have a dividing wall which can move in and out so you have two spaces it's going to have a corridor it's going to have new toilets it's going to be all refurbished it's going to have technology in there it's going to be amazing it's going to transform that whole place and in there people are going to be impacted amen you see we believe that buildings do not change people but what goes on inside them can And so we want to see these buildings transformed, not because we, at the end of it, we want to say, great, isn't that a transformed building? But we believe that what goes on inside buildings can transform people's lives. So there is transformation of buildings going on. And you remember that we talked to you a few months ago about this this statement that God had given us, hold on and move on. We wanted to be and we hoped to be in a, in a place at the end of last year where we could have moved into the, the new build part of this project and we're not there yet. But your giving and your sacrificial giving has enabled us to hold on to what we've got and the, all the buildings that we've bought and to move on at the same time. And I want to thank you for that this morning. That's an awesome thing that you guys have done. And we really appreciate that. And we're excited because we are moving on. The dance studio is all up and running now in one of these buildings here. If you ever get the chance to look in that, that's great. Some of our other activities going on in there. The Huntington Room will be done in a month or two's time. Then we'll turn our attention to looking at the youth uh, floor, I'm sure. But at the same time, we've got some really exciting meetings going on with various people uh, about the new build opportunities. And as soon as we can tell you anything, then we will. We can't at the moment. There's nothing definite to share. But there's some very, very encouraging signs. And that's good news, isn't it? So there is some transformation of buildings going on even as we speak. But what excites me much, much more than that is the transformation of people's lives. Does it excite you at all? (laughs) And that's an amazing thing. And at the start of this year, God gave us a verse. Anyone remember the verse? Hosea, please, because I might. Hosea 10, verse 12. We did talk about it for five weeks. Do you remember that? Yeah? And that verse really sensed that God gave us that as a key verse for this year. And um, you'll remember the verse, I'm sure. So for yourselves, righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. And since the start of this year, I believe that we've been seeing a lot of that. And what we felt God say to us was that all the series that we do, teaching you, should flow out of that verse. So when we did the series on James, that flowed out of that phrase, so righteousness, 
live right, just live really good lives. Um, next week, we're starting a series called Dangerous Love that's flowing out of that whole theme about you know, reaping the fruit of unfailing love. You know, love is so important and so misunderstood in our culture. And we want to hear what God wants to say to us over that. And I just got so excited seeing uh, new things uh, launched like Alpha and uh, seeing freedom in Christ continue to grow and develop. And I believe God is transforming lives. You're going to see and hear a little bit about that even this morning. And if you were here last Sunday, there was just, just like obvious evidence, wasn't there, of lives being changed. And God wants transformation of our lives and of the lives of other people. So it's not just those who don't know Christ, but actually our lives, those who do know Christ, we are in the process of being transformed as well, aren't we? And God wants to do that. And so flowing out of that, there are some new initiatives that we're going to be bringing over this next kind of 12 months or so. And I just want to just give you some headlines and highlights. One of the things that we want to do is we want to help everybody in the church to understand their own spiritual gifts and find a place to serve. Because when you are transformed, you serve. You just do, and we'll show you that from the Scriptures in the next few weeks. And so some of our people, not staff, but other people in the church have been developing something called Gifted to Serve, and you'll hear about that in the weeks to come. We want to develop people at every level. We're excited about some of the the, the things that we're doing at the moment. We're running a leadership academy. We're now on our third leadership academy. We've done number one. We're still going through number two. Number three, which is running at the same time as as number two, is actually all teenagers and young adults, which is awesome. So we're developing people. We've also got a gap year program running, and we've got people coming on that. And we're developing an internship program within the church as well. We want to develop people at every level. We also want to reach out beyond these walls. We don't just want everything to be about this building. We want to reach out beyond these walls. And right now, we're being invited by quite a few other smaller churches in the area to come and help them in their mission and their ministry, especially on Sunday evenings. And so we're thinking and praying about setting up almost like a resource team, people that can go and can serve some smaller churches and can just get alongside them and help them in their ministry, part of the fruit overhanging the walls. We also want to find out ways to equip you and support you more in your mission field. You know the missionaries in this church are you. You know that, don't you? Every single one of us is a missionary because God has placed us somewhere. And we want to find ways to equip you and serve you more as you engage uh, in that mission field. We also want to, and this is very exciting as well, we want to inspire you and equip you to share your faith with other people. How many of you find evangelism really, really easy? (laughs) <laughs> like you just walk up to people who don't know Christ and you just talk to them and then they fall on their knees and they say, what must I do to be saved? How many of you find it like that? It's not like that, is it? It's really difficult. And yet how many of you passionately would love to see somebody led to Christ through your life? See, so there's a problem, isn't there? Because <laughs> we all find it difficult and yet we all want to do it. And so what we're doing is that we're pushing the boat out, we're taking some risks and in September, September into October, We're going to say there are going to be no life groups for a four-week period. We want to bring everybody together for four weeks. And Mark Greenwood, who we're partnering with, is going to come and he's going to help train us and equip us in sharing our faith with other people. And we're believing that God is going to do a work of transformation in us, which is going to impact many, many people. And are, are you excited about that? I hope you are. And I hope that you'll be a part of that later on in the year. We want to provide opportunities to reach people. We're going to be running another Alpha in the autumn. Our men and women's ministries are going to try and come in with us on this as well and try and create opportunities where they can invite people who don't yet know Christ so we can begin to really see God at work. 
And you know, when you hear a story or you see someone baptized and you think, well, I don't know that person, I've had nothing to do with that story, you're wrong. You're wrong. Because when you give into the life of this church, you are a part of that story. Because if you didn't give in the way you do, we wouldn't be able to do a lot of the stuff that we're able to do. So when you give, you are part of that story of transformation. When you serve in the life of this church, you are part of every story of transformation. When you walk across a room and invite somebody to an event or share your faith with them, you are part of their story of transformation. But do you know what? When we do all we can do, that's great. But then God does what none of us At the end of last year, I felt that I had a huge void in my life and I knew I had to find God. So I looked online and found the Zion Church and they were doing an Alpha course. And a few months ago, I started that course and it's really transformed my life. I feel like I've grown closer to God and become a stronger Christian. My wife and her family have been coming to Zion for years. I'd been thinking for some time now to join them on a Sunday to get involved in the church. I hadn't done anything about it. I do believe that God's always been in my life, um, even though I've battled with him. Um, believed in one day, not the next. Um, how, how, when bad things happen, can you say there's a God? Followed my own path, made many mistakes, um, drank a lot, smoked a lot, um, partied a lot, um, and. There was a lot of, I think I used that as to fill in some of the gaps of when I was stressed and when I was unhappy. Um. Unfortunately, my personal circumstances changed in January. I knew Alpha was, was happening, the timing was perfect, so I decided to come on the Alpha, Alpha course. Um, anyway, three months after uh, Carol died with breast cancer, Neil was diagnosed with skin cancer. On the 1st of April last year, he went into hospital. On the 25th, he died. My, my, my one son, my eldest son, Dylan, the one night got really, really upset and distressed. Um, and he was questioning, you know, what, what happens when you die? And I couldn't really answer him at that, that point. Um, he was really upset and I got really upset. Um, and I got in touch with an old friend my neighbour came round and visited me every week for nearly 12 months and he's still looking after me now. And I didn't know she was, I didn't know anything about her. We used to say good morning and good evening, that's about all. I didn't know she was a Christian. And then I knew Jenny from, from going on the, the, the school run and I knew she was a Christian and I knew she came to a local church and I just thought I'm going to just take the leap and ask Jenny if I could go to, to sort of church with her. But I'm back to church Sunday in early February, I decided to give myself to God. Um, that's been reconfirmed with my baptism on Easter, Easter Sunday. And then it was on a Back to Church Sunday with Mark Greenwood and I um, renewed my commitment to become a Christian again. Since I've found God in my life, there's been so many different changes. It's been life-changing. I can't put my finger on one thing because there's been several different things and I just feel like I've got a different outlook on life. I'm a lot more positive. God has a plan for me. I'm not sure what that plan is, but I know he's got one for me and I know that he's he's looking after me and he's not just looking after me he's carrying me and has been for some time.
And one thing that I have now got is a belief and a hope that there is a good future for me, which is what I haven't had for a very long time. You hear stories of that, but I didn't think it would happen to me. Just stand for a moment. Just stand and pray for a moment. Did, I, I saw that for the first time on Friday and just blew me away again. I, just, I never want to lose just that passion and, and just that wow, hearing stories about people's lives. And did you hear? Then my, I reached out to an old friend. Then my neighbour came. Did you hear that? <laughs> you know, perhaps the neighbour thought, oh, I could never, I'd never be part of leading someone to Christ. But you are. Then we came to a Back to Church Sunday and how many of us work hard to create a Back to Church Sunday or run an Alpha course or, and you don't know but every single thing that you do like that can make a part in someone's life being changed. Isn't that awesome? Father, we want to thank you this morning. You are an awesome God and you are still changing lives. And Lord God, we thank you for every life being transformed by you, not just in this church but across this planet. Young people, older people, educated, uneducated, rich, poor, those who've known you through their parents and those who've never heard of you before. God, you are changing people's lives. And God, we want to be a part of a vision where transformation is the center. And the transformation is all about your glory. It doesn't come to us. It doesn't come to this church. It doesn't come to our programs and all of that. It all comes to you. And Lord, we say, wow, you are a life-changing God. And we thank you this morning and we praise you for every life that's being transformed. And God, we thank, and that includes ours as well. Because the transformation of this person here, of us, is not over yet. You have not finished with any of us here in this room. You are still about the transformation business. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh man, take your seats guys. What I want to do in just the time i got left this morning is to take you to the scriptures, to Matthew 17. If you've got uh, a Bible with you, that would be wonderful. And we're going to just look briefly at a story of transformation here in the New Testament. And then there's, God has really spoken to me in a weird way, I think, uh, about this. Um, but I want to share this with you. If I just, let's read it together and then we'll go. So after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. That word transfigured is the same root word as transformation. And we're going to look at that in a moment. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So this is not an everyday occurrence. You understand that, don't you? What we're talking about. This is an amazing experience up the mountain. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. You know, yes, this is happening. This is amazing. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. 
This word transfigured is the same word as transformation in the Greek metanoia, where we get the word metamorphism or metamorphis from. And what I want to do is I want to talk to you about this process or this, this concept of transformation, metamorphism, transfig- not transfiguration, but the metamorphism and transformation. And I want to talk to you from three worlds. I want to talk to you a little bit from biology, geology, and then theology. Is that all right? I couldn't think of any more ologies. So we're going to do a little bit of biology, because I only know a little bit. <laughs> we're going to do a little bit of geology. I know a little bit more about that. And then we're going to do a bit of theology. So let's look at biology first. In biology, there's a process of metamorphism, and you'll know it from the butterfly. A pupa or a larva is transformed into a new creation, becomes a butterfly. That process is the same word that is used here. It's the same word when Paul says, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And transformation, folks, is a process. It's not, it, it, it can start with a crisis or the decision, but it is a process. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 8, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. See, what's happening here is that when Jesus goes over a mountain and is transfigured, Moses and Elijah turn up. That's the law and the prophets. That's Israel's Jewish history. All that those three disciples know, oh, this is like when Moses went up the mountain. Remember the story? And when he came down and his face was reflecting the glory of the Lord. That's what's going on here. But Paul says, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed. Not just you have been, but you are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I want to say to you, do not Give up on yourself. If you've ever looked in the mirror and thought, oh, am I ever going to be a decent Christian? Am I ever going to live up to what I think I am? Do not give up on yourself. God hasn't finished with you yet. Amen? God has not finished you because it's a process. And God who made you is committed to the process of transformation in your life. The Bible says in Philippians 1 verse 6, He who began a good work in you will what? He's going to carry it on. He's going to complete it. He's going to see it through. Do not give up on yourself. And I know there's sometimes when I've looked in the mirror, and I'll, I'll be really honest with you this morning, I thought, how on earth can I do what I do? How on earth can I even call myself a follower of you? Because I'm so weak and mess up in so many ways. And that's when we need Jesus to touch us again, like it does in the story. And say, don't give up on yourself, because I'm not giving up on you. Because it's a process of transformation. Someone called Ralph Ellison said, it takes a deep commitment to change and an even deeper commitment to grow. And if you want to be transformed from one degree of glory to another, it's going to take some effort, it's going to take some commitment, and it's going to take some tenacity because your temptation will be to give up. Say, oh, I'll never change, so therefore I'm not going to try. But don't give up on yourself because God is not going to give up on you. So that's a little bit from biology. Now from geology. When I was at school, I loved geology. And when I went to college to do A-levels, one of my A-levels was geology. And I was going to go on and be a geologist. That's what I wanted to do in my teenage years. You might not know that. The problem was, when I got to uh, sixth form, to college, um, I was rubbish at chemistry. And a, a kind of normal school, geology, it was all right. But when I got to, to A-level, if I was going to go on and do geology, I had to do chemistry. And so I was taking a GCSE chemistry when I was at King Edward's um, College in Starbridge. The problem was I was so useless at chemistry. And let me tell you how useless I was. Uh, we did an exam and I got 0%. Okay, so I just about managed to write my name and that was about it. 
and this is, I'm not exaggerating, the teacher said to me, I need to see you after the lesson, and I thought, yeah, I thought you would, because <laughs> I got 0%, and he said, show me the boat, says, you got 0%, what have you got to say about this? And I said, because I was a bit of a smart aleck then, it leaves room for improvement, <laughs> which was factual, but wasn't very acceptable, and he said to me, you and chemistry need to part company now, so basically he kicked me off. So that was the end of my geology career, really, unfortunately. But I do remember a little bit from geology. And if you're into geology and this is not accurate, please forgive me and don't stone me, okay? Because this is the best that I can remember. But metamorphism in the geological world occurs when parent rocks are transformed, new creation rocks. And usually it comes through heat and pressure. And when heat and pressure come, often when like volcanic uh, magma comes up through rocks, the parent rocks are transformed by the heat and the pressure. They become totally different rocks. They are metamorphosed, metamorphic rocks. They are transformed into new creations. And this is where the Holy Spirit spoke to me through this world. And he said this, The degree to which rocks are transformed is determined by the proximity to the heat. So let me show you, let me show you, and okay, this is as best as I can do and it won't be brilliant. If you imagine here's the earth's surface, if you imagine a whole load of rocks, okay, when magma comes up, this is a little weird, isn't it, in a Sunday morning, when magma comes up uh, from the inside of the, of the, of the, of the, of the surface of the, of the earth and it's coming to the surface, here's, this is all heat, molten rock, it's going to break on the surface, eventually we're going to get a volcano, okay, and all this is going to come out, but when this heat and this pressure is coming, all of these rocks are going to be transformed. Now, high-grade metamorphic rocks are the ones who are, that are closest to the heat. Then there's another one called intermediate, and then there's low-grade. Now, every one of those rocks are new creations. They're all transformed. They're all different rocks. But these rocks are transformed in such a radical way that you wouldn't even see the difference. Some of these rocks look exactly the same as the parent rocks, but they're not. The degree of transformation is determined by the proximity to the heat. The further away from the heat, the less the transformation. Now, all metaphors and all images break down, all right? Let me just get that clear. But what I believe the Holy Spirit said to me is that the ongoing process of transformation requires heat. And it doesn't mean, okay, it doesn't mean that your salvation... Uh, if you're out here, is any less than anybody else. That's not what I'm talking about. But the degree of transformation is determined by proximity to the heat. And that's what I want to just think about with you a little bit. You see, I've always thought, you know, like, like, God, if you've changed me, then that's it. But then when you read that transformation is a process, it goes on and on, doesn't it? And if I take myself away from the heat, and we'll look at what that is in a minute, then my transformation process will slow down. That doesn't mean that I won't go to heaven when I die, okay? That if I'm changed by God, whether it's a hot thing or whether it's out here, it doesn't matter, I will go to heaven when I die. That's not the issue. But the degree of transformation is determined by the proximity to the heat. Transformation is a process and it requires heat. So let's look at what this means theology, from a theology point of view. What happened on that mountain was absolutely crucial to the disciples. When Jesus was transformed, transfigured, metamorphosed before them, this was absolutely crucial for three reasons. It was a revelation of who Jesus really was. Whoa, because he's a man, but no, he's not just a man. This is revelation of the Godhead, the, the divinity within Jesus. 
But it was a confirmation of what he'd been teaching about previously. See, in the previous chapter, you read it there in Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus says, who do people say I am? Remember that? And some people say, oh, John the Baptist, blah, blah, blah. But who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said that in faith. And then in the next chapter, he sees it with his eyes. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. It's really important that that confession happened before he saw this transfiguration. You see, we often think, we often say, and I've heard people say this to me, you know, if I see it, then I will believe. But here's the thing. If you believe it, you will see that's the upside down way of the kingdom. Often people say, if I, believe, if I see it, I'll believe. But actually, it's the other way around. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so but Peter, he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Then up the mountain, he sees the revelation of what he confessed. You are indeed the son of the living God. But it was also important because it was encouragement to the disciples. Because from here on in, Jesus' life and ministry is all about suffering and servanthood and ultimately death. And there's going to be tough times ahead and you need to know that you put your hope and faith in God. And that's why this was so important. Now, did these guys on that mountain feel the heat? You bet your life they did. What they saw and experienced was the heat of the presence of God. In verse 8 it says, they saw no one except Jesus. You know, my hope and prayer for this church is that however long I'm here, but beyond that, that we are a church who always keep Jesus at the center. Because it isn't about us. It isn't about our denomination. It isn't about any of that stuff. It's all about Jesus. Amen. They saw no one except Jesus. And when you are close to God, when you feel the heat of the presence of Jesus, you see no one except Jesus. There's such a powerful transformational aspect to that. And John and Peter and James, they felt the heat and they were changed. You know, John says later in John's Gospel, chapter 1, which is written much later than this. um, John says, you know, we saw his glory. We beheld his glory. You know, the one and only. We saw that. That's what he's referring to. Peter goes on to be crucified, upside down, martyred for his faith. You know, you're transformed radically when you see and feel the heat of the presence. James becomes the first disciple to die in Acts chapter 12 for his faith. And here's where I'm coming to this morning. I've wondered why some people seem to come to Christ so powerfully and others almost slide in. Now, I know know that we're different in the way that we come to faith. But I do wonder whether there's something about the proximity to the heat where we are aware of our own sin, where we are aware of what God has done for us, where we are so impacted by Him, that I wonder whether that, that does something in terms of the power of our transformation. I've wondered why some people fall away from God and even turn their back on Him. And I'm beginning to realize it's because over time what happens is that we just slide away and we move away from the heat. And it's possible then to have a Christian experience which is almost more about routine and what we know and form than it is about real passion and encounter with our God. And the further you go away from the heat, the more likely you are to eventually turn your back on God. And I've also wondered why it is that some people don't ever seem to leave church, but they never seem to grow. They never seem to move from where they are in their spiritual experience. Could it be that we love the structures more than we love the sustainer? That we love the security more than we love our saviour? That we love the life more than we love the life giver? That we love the gifts more than the giver? That we love the routine more than we love the relationship? That we love being around Jesus more than being changed by Jesus? 
And a guy called Vince Havner said this, Revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. And, and my understanding and my th- feeling is that on the mountain of transfiguration, these three disciples saw who Jesus was. They felt the heat. They felt the pressure. They fell in love with him. They were touched by him. They saw no one but him. And yes, they failed and they messed up after that. I know that. But there was something about that experience which then went on to provide, if you like, a background and a backdrop for their ongoing transformation. My question to you, or my statement, I suppose, is this. Transformation is a process and it requires heat. We need to stay as close as we can to the heat of the presence of God if we're going to continue this process of transformation. But we need to be aware of the trap that Peter fell into. And uh, in verse 4, you see, Peter says, Wow, this is amazing. Like, this is an amazing worship experience. I mean, this is a good Sunday morning, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Jesus is transfigured and there's Moses and Elijah pitched up. I mean, this is like great. I mean, you know, the band were really hot this morning. Look at this. This is fantastic. And what he says is, let's bottle this experience. Let's, let's provide uh, shelters. Let's contain it here. And of course, that's what we often do when we have an experience of the transforming power of God, of the heat of the presence of God. We want to contain it. But then just before they could get themselves in any more trouble with their mouths, or Peter anyway, God speaks. And the Father says, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And listen to these three words. Listen to him. That's vital for vision, isn't it? That we listen to to him. What does the Spirit say to the church? We listen to him. And what he eventually said to them is that, <laughs> and he doesn't, he doesn't say it in the text, but it obviously it's implied. Um, he doesn't say anything actually. What, what happens is that I think he does. I think he comes up to Peter and says, Peter, I know what you mean about staying here with me and with the worship and the glory, but actually this transformation isn't just for us, it's for them. And so they begin to leave the mountain. They go down and the very next thing they do is they encounter a boy who's possessed by a demon and they set him free. Because the process of transformation isn't just for us, but it has to begin in us. It's for every single person on planet earth. And as a church, we will not become a church that just turns in on itself, just gets obsessed with itself, just wants to say, how can we keep each other well-fed and well-led and all that. That's all good, but we will not do that because transformation is not just for us, it's for a world out there that needs to know God. Amen? And so we're, not, we're going to go up the mountain and get all that power and all that impact, but we're not going to stay up the mountain. We're going to go down the mountain to where people are. Transformation is a process and it requires heat. It doesn't stop when you get changed. You see, the goal is to take the glory from where it is to where it isn't. To take the light from where it is into where it isn't, into the areas of darkness. I want to show you one more quick media clip and we've just kind of discovered this as we were going through this whole process this week and I want to show you this and this is one of our women, young mom in the church and um, this whole process of you know what happens when you're transformed, when you help other people on that journey, it does something to you, do you know that? If you want your spiritual Christian life, your Christian life to be more exciting, then get involved with seeing other people transform. Get involved with sharing your faith. Get involved with serving. Get involved with taking some risks. Because when you do that, your own spiritual journey will incredibly increase. Take a look at Jenny's story. A few months ago, one of my friends approached me about coming to church, which was amazing because it was, you know, I've not 
rammed it down anybody's throat and it's I've just been me and been open about going to church and having a faith and uh, and it was nice that I was approached really about about coming along with me so so my friends started coming along and uh, soon after she started coming um, made a commitment and that was just been amazing so with the Alpha course sort of being promoted as it were I thought well I've got nothing to lose I'm going to ask another one of my friends to come along to uh, to Alpha um, she agreed um, which was amazing I was really chuffed and a lot of that has been a result of her seeing how God's helped me and how strong I've been she's been through a similar scenario with her mom and uh, she's just really noticed how different I've been in the way I've dealt with the loss and uh, and that you know I've been kept strong and God's really been there for me uh, so she came along to Alpha as well so I've went along to support my friends it's been fantastic sort of watching them get close to God and uh, the second friend also made a commitment on the Holy Spirit Day which was brilliant and it's just been really really encouraging and I just you know encourage anybody else who, just to ask friends to come along to Alpha as well because you don't know what's going to happen as a result of it it's just it's given me a boost as well in my Christian faith it's given me the drive I probably needed to sort of get back on board with doing things like reading my Bible as well because I have been a lot more encouraged especially when I've seen my friend uh, talk about reading her Bible I thought well I better show an example as well and, <laughs> and pick up mine a bit more um, so it's just been really encouraging Great, isn't, it? isn't that amazing? And this whole process of transformation, when we get involved, when we go down the mountain, it does something to us as well. When we're helping other people to meet Christ, we're being transformed as well. So where are you today? Where are you today? You know, I want you to get excited about the vision of this church, but more than that, I want you to get excited about Jesus. Because revival is when we fall in love with Jesus all over again. Where are you in relation to the heat are you kind of walking away or are you walking towards the heat? You know, there's a, book, there's a verse in a, the book of Jude, which is a really obscure book in the New Testament. But Jude verse 20 from the message says this. But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, by staying right at the center of God's love. By keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our Master Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. You know, the reality is that the longer we go on as a Christian, the easier it is to drift away from the heat. And Jude says, you've got to keep yourselves in God's love. You've got to keep yourselves in the fire. You've got to keep yourselves closer to the heat. You've got to keep your arms open and outstretched, not folded and in your pockets or fisted up. But you've got to keep your arms open and ready and always open to the love and the power of God. And so what I want to do if I invite the band back this morning is just want to, just to take a few minutes just to ask the Holy Spirit to bring some heat to us again this morning in our own Christian lives. And I don't know where you're at and don't know everybody here this morning well, but I don't know where you're at in your own relationship with God. I know where I am, and it's not where I want to be, so don't get me that right. But I know, I know that I know that without the heat of the presence of God, I've got no chance. 
And I want the presence of God. I want the heat of his love. So why don't we stand together? We're going to sing a song. It's an older song now, but it really, and there's a phrase in this song which has always bothered me a little bit. The opening phrase says, there must be more than this. And I'm not saying that there's more, that God needs to do more than he's already done because he's done it all. But I think what this song says is that there must be more in my experience, you know. God couldn't do any more. He's done it all. But there must be more in my experience. And, and interesting, isn't it, that on the day of Pentecost, when the fire came, wow, what a transformation that was. What a metamorphism that was. I mean, talk about high-grade metamorphic activity on the day of Pentecost. Because the Holy Spirit came. And those uh, weak, fearful, uh, failing believers were transformed into people that would go out on the streets, declare their faith, and ultimately, ultimately be willing to give their life for the God in which they loved. It doesn't come without heat. No change will come without heat. And I want to invite you this morning to open yourself up to God and say, Lord, please, would you transform me again? Amen. Would you let your fire fall on me again today on this Vision Sunday and we think about yeah we want to be a part of a church that's seeing lives transformed and communities and nations but that starts with us every single one can you imagine can you imagine a church where every single believer is transformed and being transformed by the heat and the presence of Jesus but then he's not wanting to be stuck on the mountain but he's actually wanting to go down into the valley and be part of the process of seeing other people transformed. Wouldn't that be amazing? Not just great leaders, not just good life group leaders, not just great speakers, but an army, a whole body of people who are being transformed by the heat and the power of the Spirit of God. Father, I pray that, Lord, as we sing this song, not just as a song that we sing at the end to finish our time, but, God, I pray that we'll sing this as a prayer. I pray that we'll sing this as a, as, as a declaration. I pray that we'll sing this as an invitation and as a response for you to fill us again with, our, with your heat, with your power, with your life. And Lord, if we've wandered away, if we've grown cold, if we've just moved away to the edges, God, I pray that today, even today, we would declare that we're coming back, that we're coming back, that we want to be in that place where your heat is transforming our lives in Jesus' name.